Broadcasting live to the world now, it's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Mindless minions. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end time watchwoman, Sheila Zelensky. Hello, listeners, and thank you for tuning in to the Sheila Zelensky Show. Today is Thursday, July 16, 2015, and I'm honored to have you tuned into the program tonight. I broadcast every day. That's weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, right here on Worldwide Christian Radio. And of course, you can sign up for my podcast if you haven't already. Go to my website. Sheila's podcast button is there on the right-hand side. And as soon as the shows are archived, you will get a notification. So it's a great way to keep on top of the shows. Folks, I just wanted to let everyone know that my website was hit And so I had a lot of problems with my website the last few days. And so my web guy and I are moving it on a different server. We've got to beef up some security. So never a dull moment. Folks, I would be very honored if you would financially sew into this ministry. I have a lot of airtime costs and everything's overdue again. And I'm asking you to please consider keeping this ministry on the air you can donate there at weekendvigilante.com. Please do what you can, and let's keep this show on the air. Last month, I had notified people that I was getting way behind, and I don't want to get out of control behind again, but it is creeping up again. And so I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I do need to tell people that if they want to keep this show on the air, they do need to continue to financially support this ministry. So I thank you in advance for doing that. And I ask you today to please do what you can to keep this show on the air. Green Gospel, that's my book. I am hoping that every single person gets a copy of this book. It is astonishing to say the least what is really going on. GreenGospel.ca, please bookmark that and pre-order your copy today. And please do shoot me an email and let me know that you are listening to the show. My guest today is a man who knows persecution. He is Dr. Kent Hovind. People also know him as Dr. Dino. He spent almost 10 years behind bars in federal prison 
prosecuted for what a lot of people believe was very malicious, trumped up, egregious charges. He has been released. He is home safe at last. And he joins me today to talk about the ordeal and his plans for the future. It is a pleasure for me to have him back on the program. Dr. Kent Hoven, welcome to the program, sir. It is a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Dr. Hoven, give the listeners a little bit of an overview. How long did you spend in prison? What happened? Talk about your experience for especially the new listeners that are not familiar with this. Uh, almost nine years in federal prison. Uh, I was a high school science and math teacher for 15 years. I moved to Pensacola, Florida, January 1989, 26 years ago, and shortly thereafter began a ministry called Creation Science Evangelism, using the scientific evidence that supports the Bible to be literally true. And I traveled all over the world of speaking about 900 times a year on the topic of creation, evolution, and dinosaurs, defending the position that the Bible is true. The earth is only 6,000 years old. God made it all in six days, just like he said he did in the scriptures. For that, I did a hundred and some debates with atheists at universities, drove them crazy, and they were, tried everything to find something to shut me up and put me in jail. Finally, after a nine-year investigation, IRS couldn't find anything, so they arrested me for structuring, which I had never heard of. They said, you took your own money out of the bank in amounts less than $10,000. I said, okay, and that's a crime? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're trying to avoid the reporting requirements. <laughs> It was so insane. First of all, it's the dumbest law ever passed. Secondly, it's one of the most vicious prosecutions, I think, uh, over a dumb law ever done. And so my attorney, after trial, the government put on their dog and pony show, and my attorney said, don't even give a defense. There is no crime here. Everybody can see that. There's Nothing's been done wrong. So we did not give a defense. And the judge changed the jury instructions to be sure we were found guilty. And so they found guilty, and my wife got one year in prison, and I got 10. The judge said, this crime is worse than rape. And then later, that disappeared out of the transcript. That's another whole long, interesting story. There's all kinds of details about this case up on uh, Lone Star, 1776, uh, YouTube. That's Rudy's channel, and a lot of folks have been following it. And what a blessing that so many folks have helped. Bottom line is, we fought the case all the way, as far as you can. Nobody ever wins, on appeal or otherwise. They have a 99% conviction rate in the federal court system. So I've served all my time, actually served more than all my time. I could have gone to halfway house under the law February of 2014, a year and a half ago. But I was moved 30-some times in the system, and I was in Berlin, New Hampshire, and I applied for the halfway house, and they said, well, you qualify, but our prison isn't full. Uh, it's a new prison. We can hold 130 in the camp, and we only have 98, so you can't go because we need you for population balance. Now, if that isn't evil and stupid, I don't know what is. It's, it's unreal what they did. So anyway, finally, after all being moved all over the country a bunch of times, I ended up home last week uh, after, and I still really am in prison. I have, uh, they gave me 30 days instead of six months. You're allowed six months home confinement where you've got to stay home. And so I applied for that, was accepted, and was supposed to be home in February, of the, this last February, but I just came home last week. I have a little ankle monitor on. i got to stay within 150 feet of this box on the back porch for 22 more days. And then I go three years probation, unless we go back and win the original case, the 2006 uh, case, which is still being fought at, at multiple levels. So we shall see. 
Wow, incredible story. So when you actually found out that you were going home, what was that feeling like for you, Dr. Hoven, after, now, it, how many days and nights 30. did you end up spending in federal prison? How many days and nights? How many days and nights? 3,260, 3, about. Wow. So when yep. you finally got released, what was that feeling like? Well, Psalm 126, King David, or uh, one of the psalmists wrote, you know, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, it was like a dream. Uh, it just, wow. I came home, I held my grandson that is eight and a half, who I've never held in freedom. Uh, he was born two months after I went to prison. Uh, it was just, it's, uh, all my grandkids live right next door, so it's really awesome to get to see the family. My wife and I's anniversary was two days ago, been married 42 years, and uh, it's it's been like a dream. It's, it's sort of like I was only gone for a week and now I'm home. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre. It's like a big... Well, one of the things that happened when I got off, of course, I did an interview with you in jail and mm -hmm. I was so frustrated with you, the situation. When I got off the phone call with you, I phoned Stuart Rhodes, head of Oath Keepers at home, and I said, Stuart, I'm not sitting idly by while Kent Hoven rots in jail. We need a dream team of lawyers. And I said, you have got to tell me a lawyer that would is the best lawyer in all of the United States. And he told me. And so I phoned Dave Dobmeyer, and we got a hold of the guy, and the rest is history. That's how it happens. I didn't even know. I know those guys came in, and they got the final charges. To, see, they wanted new charges of mailing a letter. I mean, yeah. mail fraud. And that carries a 20-year sentence. <laughs> 20 it's years. unbelievable that they can actually get a... Well, well, you know what's unbelievable? Not just it's unbelievable what you went through, but it's unbelievable what this Margaret Casey Rogers, this judge, very anti-Christian with an incredible background, you know, even saying that your crime was worse than rape. I mean, that's just unbelievable. And it's hard to believe that she's not charged a, a numerous amount of charges. Just, I mean, as the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Florida you would think that she would have to be accountable. I mean, this lady was venomous. But the other part that's unbelievable is the kind of corruption and fraud and the chicanery and shenanigans that go on with this federal justice system, but also the prison system. I mean, you would have never known all the corruption that goes on unless you had an eyewitness of it yourself. So incredibly corrupt, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah, I, I'm embarrassed that as a Christian for 46 years, I've studied the Bible pretty avidly all, all that time, have four doctor's degrees, and I, I really work at trying to understand it. I missed the fact that the Bible never authorizes prison. Only the heathen had prisons, the Romans, the Egyptians, etc. The Bible never authorizes that. You either get a fine, a beating, or executed. That's right. You know, it's funny. One of the Psalms says righteousness and justice is the foundation of God's throne. And yet when I look at this kind of justice, I cringe. Well, there's so many things that this has exposed. One, the fact that the system shouldn't even exist. I mean, when I become king, I'm shutting it down, period. You know, I've asked probably a thousand guys since I've been in prison. If you were given an option of five years in prison or 20 lashes, which would you take? They all would take the 20 lashes which would be cheaper for society, well, the 20 lashes, okay? Which would be better for your family? You get to go home that day. You may be sore for a week, but you're home. Everybody, without exception, would take the 20 lashes. 
And in the Bible, that's what it was. It was a, it was a beating or a fine. You steal my sheep, you pay four sheep. If someone rapes your daughter, she does not need to feed him for the next 20 years, which is what's happening now, and then be afraid of him getting out. She needs to watch him get shot or hung or electrocuted or whatever they're going to do and then go spit on his grave until she heals up emotionally. Yeah. It's just common sense 101. So, yeah, I'm, when I become king, I'm shutting this whole thing down. We're going to scale it way back. You know, you've been in jail that long. What is the most incredible thing that's been happening while you were, you know, not a member of society? What is the most incredible thing that's happened in the last nine plus years to you? I cannot believe all the technology changes. Uh, for instance, they brought the they brought the outhouse in the buildings. Uh, when did they do that? I mean, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah. They have a little flush valve on there, and she was. I'm just kidding. But there's been all kinds of new uh, technology stuff, and I'm I've never seen a Twitter before or a Skype or all kinds of these things. I'm trying to. My grandkids are getting me caught up on the techno age. I think we are really headed for trouble in the world and and in America particularly. Uh, financial collapse is just imminent and 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 planned. This is what they want. Uh, the 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 plan has been for all along, and I mentioned this many times in my seminar. The, there are some pinky in the brain kind of folks, New World Order folks, that want to reduce the world population to a half billion. That's on the Georgia Guidestones in Georgia from 1980. So this is, and the plan is to poison the water, poison the food, and poison the air, which is what the chemtrails are all about. You step outside and watch; they'll be spraying aluminum oxide over your head from airplanes. <laughs> it's just Absolutely. unreal what's going on. You know, in the movie Wizard of Oz. They told how they're going to do it, you know. The witches up there spraying in the clouds, surrender, Dorothy. Uh, and you got Oz, Oz, ounces, and you know, yellow brick road. That's gold, and it just the symbolism goes on and on and on about this. Anyway, so but that's that's God's problem, you know. I'm His child. I'm supposed to do what God says and uh, just uh, serve Him, win souls. So I tell folks, you know, we don't need to worry about what Satan is doing. He certainly has a plan for a new world order. But so does God, and God is laughing at their plans with his uh, Psalms chapter 2, you know, the heathen rage, and God's laughing at it. So I encourage people, if you're not saved, get saved, get forgiven, get your sins forgiven, get into God's family. And then if you are, find something to do for his kingdom. People are working so hard to save up money and get a new car and buy a big house, and it's all going to burn. You better do something for God's kingdom, you know, lay up your treasures in, in heaven. So you wrote 37 books while behind bars, and tell the listeners a little bit about what you wrote and your most significant book, in your opinion, Behind Bars. I did quite a few books for my grandchildren, um, uh, probably 15 books for them at various age levels as they were growing. Uh, some of those are up on lulu.com. I wrote one book about the prison system. I did it as a satire, sort of like Animal Farm. Only this is called The Kennel, like a big dog kennel. And the people are loving that one, uh, the kennels up on Lulu. Probably most of my work, though, went into my book on end times called What on Earth is About to Happen, for Heaven's Sake. Uh, just abbreviated WOE, W-O-E. And that one is on Lulu.com. Wow. I had to, after intensive research, I had to switch back to what is the historical position of the church. The church has always taught that we will be here for the tribulation. And then in 1830, a Scottish girl had a dream, and everybody started teaching, oh, we're going to be gone for the tribulation. We get out of here any minute, you know, and it's just its just simply not true. Are you Boy, surprised with this pre-trib rapture nonsense? I am surprised that I fell for it for 40 years. I was guilty of simply not rightly dividing the word of truth and 
now that I spent just many, many years soaking my brain on that topic and reading God's Word many times cover to cover, it's so clear. The day of Christ is not the same as the day of the Lord. Yes. The day of Christ is the rapture when the sun and the moon go dark, which mentioned ten times in the Bible. After the tribulation, the sun and the moon go dark, and after the sun and the moon go dark, the, the day of the Lord starts. Now that's the time of wrath, and we're not here for that. But my book covers that in great detail on what on earth is about to happen. Well, one of the things I love is there's a YouTube video out there called Kent Hovind versus Bill Nye the Science Guy. It is so good. You do make him look like an idiot. I just have to say that. But it's really interesting. What I love is what you say in this famous phrase is, who bought the gas to run this machine? Are you surprised with the amount of young kids that are even embracing Darwinism? I'm surprised anybody, including Darwin, embraced Darwinism. <laughs> the whole problem is they use this word evolution without defining it. If I said, bring me a big Pepsi, well, what, how big? You know, 10 ounces, 2,000 ounces, 4 million tons. I mean, define big, okay? Let's, let's define the word. That word evolution is real slippery. It's got six different meanings. Microevolution means little changes within the same kind. For instance, dogs and wolves and coyotes no doubt had a common ancestor. It's the same kind of animal, and a five-year-old can tell you it's the same kind of animal. Now, then they take that evidence from microevolution, and there is a mountain of evidence for that, and try to interpolate that into say, well, that proves dogs and bananas are related, which would be macroevolution which is not only not scientific, is flat stupid, in my humble, totally unbiased and correct opinion. And they go beyond that and talk about organic evolution, where you have to get living things coming out of non-living things, life from non-living matter. They can't even make it happen in the laboratory, and there's certainly no evidence that it happened on its own. One atheist I was debating said, well, Hoven, what would you say if scientists were able to produce life in the lab? I'd say, well, first of all, they're nowhere close. He said, yeah, you're right. I said, secondly, I guess that would prove it takes intelligence to make life, wouldn't it? <laughs> it prove creation, not evolution. <laughs> it would only prove the Bible. It wouldn't prove anything you guys are teaching. So then there's, beyond that is cosmic evolution. How did the stars get there? And you got uh, uh, the original, you have to get something from nothing, the Big Bang. How do you get nothing in turn to turn into everything that we see? They talk about the whole universe squeezed into a dot smaller than a period on a page. You couldn't squeeze a tomato into a dot smaller than a period on a page let alone the whole universe. <laughs> These guys, I think you would have to have help to be that stupid. I don't think you could possibly do it on your own, but <laughs> becoming that stupid on their own. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Well, and it's not bad enough, though, that we have commie core and our children are being indoctrinated with all this absolute nonsense, but the fact is evolution is woven into every textbook of every child they're being absolutely inundated with this stuff does that concern you too it is it, not only that it's woven into all the textbooks the fact that they just lie about things they give things that are just not not true they'll say well you know the human embryo the growing inside the mother has gill slits so that proves we used to be a fish well that idea was invented in 1869 by a darwin supporter and then it was proven wrong a couple of years later. So by 1874, everybody knew this is a lie, okay? Those are not gill slits, but they're still teaching it. I, I went through 50-some lies in the textbooks one time with an atheist. That was one of them about the gill slits on the embryo. 
And I said, look, take this out of the textbook. Quit lying to the kids. Don't tell them you got evidence for a theory and then bring this up. It's not true. And this atheist, I couldn't believe the stupidity. He said, he said folks, now Hovind's right. All these things are, are lies. They're not true. But, Hovind, i got a question for you. What are you going to replace it with? You've got to be kidding. Here, I've shown that all the evidence you use for your theory is wrong. And we're not allowed to take out a lie until I find more evidence for your theory. How about get rid of your stupid theory? See, science means knowledge. Knowledge, things we know by observation, testing, experimentation, etc. Nobody has ever seen a dog produce a non-dog. Now, if somebody wants to believe it happened, well, that's fine, but that's not science. It's a religion. And I, just, I, don't, I don't want to pay for their religion to be taught in our school system. They should go start a private school and teach evolution to anybody that wants to pay and come learn it. But it's got no business being involved in any public, public supported system. Well, and Darwin's theory was used by, I mean, think about this. In 1859, you have Darwin's The Origin of Species published, and Alexander Van Humboldt died that same year. Darwin's theory really was being used by science to defeat religion, but in doing so, it prevented any challenges. No scientist would dare say Darwin was wrong for fear of giving support to the creationists, yeah? Yeah, people... Everybody's afraid to go against the status quo. I mean, how many people in Russia or China under intense communist control would stand up publicly and say, you know, communism doesn't work. This is a stupid theory. Right. It doesn't work. Or you lose your head or you go to jail for 400 years, you know? So, no. You, if, you, if a scientist today stands up against the evolution theory, they lose their job, they lose their uh, uh, retirement, they, lose, they, lose, they get kicked out. It's, they're ex excommunicated. Uh, ben Stein did a great movie on that called Expelled showing just the intense persecution of anybody who dares not support Darwin's theory. Well, it's amazing to me. I uh, recently wrote a book called Green Gospel, The New World Religion. It really gets into the insidious underbelly of this green agenda. And I talk a lot about Charles Darwin and Thomas Malthus and Paul Ehrlich. Karl Marx took a copy of Darwin's book to the Galapagos Islands, I find that so fascinating. But you'd think that Karl Marx even would have been saying, what is Darwin talking about? Well, Darwin's theory motivated lots of evil things to happen. It motivated Karl Marx with his theories of communism. The question is very simple. Is there a God or not? Okay. If there's a God, well, then he decides what's right and wrong. And the Founding Fathers of this country had a very simple philosophy, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain rights. But if there is no creator, then who decides what's right and wrong? I've asked atheists all over the world that simple question, how do you tell right from wrong? And they'll say, well, I decide what's right and wrong. And I say, well, good, because I'm going to shoot you in five minutes. <laughs> And they say, well, you can't do that. I said, well, yeah, I decided it's okay for me to shoot you. If you can be the god of your little universe, then I can be the god of my little universe. That's good, yeah. <laughs> and it leads to pure chaos, which is where we are today. Well, and you know what's amazing is the Bible is not only got the best track record of all books I've ever seen, even if you were just to go by just its track record, the Bible's evidence is overwhelming, for one thing. The background is overwhelming. The evidence is overwhelming. And the prophetic rate of success is 
There's nothing that can touch it. So, but it's also very applicable even for today. It's like the ultimate manual for all your problems, really, isn't it? It has the answer for everything that I can find. Uh, it has the answer how to have a good marriage, how to be a good dad, how to make money, how to avoid government fights with other governments. It's, it's just a, a phenomenal book. Of course, you would think that if God wrote it. You know, see, if God created man, he knows how we work, and he knows everything that's best. And The law of the Lord is perfect. You know, God's law is perfect way to run a society. It's perfect in every way. So, yeah, I encourage people to read that book and do what it says in every area. Amen. Well, one of the things I want to ask you, and I know a lot of my listeners, when they knew that you were coming on the program, they wanted me to ask you this. Are there any plans to counter-sue these people, what they did to you, Ken? Uh, I have to win a couple of other things first. Uh, that's, a, that's a real possibility, and I think there are some people working on that, but uh, that's way over my pay grade. I don't know how all that works. I hope so. I think they should have to pay me a whole bunch of money and then leave me alone. Well, we agree. We think they should have to pay you huge compensation for every day that you sat in there wrongfully. I know there was a big story that the Congress had come out and apologized for citizens that got charged under structuring laws, which was originally set up for criminals and mobsters. But is there has there been any word on that so far about this structuring law? Nothing that I'm aware of. Uh, the law is stupid, okay? The whole, the whole structuring law is stupid. Uh, and they, they should repeal it. Absolutely, they should repeal it. And I know Rudy Davis did a little mock-up scenario where he went into his bank and did a cash withdrawal just to prove the exact point of this structuring charge, withdrawing a certain amount of money under $10,000. Were you aware of that? I, I heard that he went in and withdrew $9,999.99 or something. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Whatever happened, did they do anything? They did nothing. But he went back in and he said, are you aware that this very thing that I just did, you put other people in jail for this? He was making a very valid point. Absolutely. I went to jail for nine, for, well, I was in for nine years and I got sentenced to ten, so... Uh, yeah, it's they, sure they do. They put people in jail. That's one of the dumbest laws ever passed by Congress. What was the hardest thing about being in jail for those nine years, Kent? Well, obviously, being away from your family, your ministry, captivity is just it, that they count on that part of it. You know, you're really punishing society more because they're paying for your groceries and electric bill, and you know, it's, it, it punishes the wrong people. The guys have it great. I mean, they wait till they call them for lunch and go eat lunch, and then uh, and they don't pay for a thing. So if you, and some people are probably better off as far as, uh, you know, they, they, they're not making it out on the street, so the, the jail, they pay for everything for them, you know. What a mess. Yeah, I would shut the whole thing down. It's a giant scam. There are 39,000 people employed with the federal prison system. I'm not sure how many in the county and, uh, and state. But it could be solved in such a simple, such a simple way with a fine, a beating, or executed, just like the Bible says. I agree. It is a mess indeed. Now, you wrote a book while in prison about prison. Tell our listeners about that. I did. It's called The Kennel, about a dog, a giant dog kennel, where the dogs are locked up for the dumbest things for the longest time. And uh, it's, it's up on lulu.com. I did a false, did that, that one under a different name. I did that one under the name of Elijah Green, because Elijah was a preacher the king hated for no reason, and he wore green at that camp. Wow. What did you, I mean, obviously being on the inside, you get a real 
look at a lot of things wrong, but what absolutely just stunned you the most to find out while being behind bars? A, the great injustice of the system, how they can lock up absolutely anybody. These people can lock up a ham sandwich. It is just unreal, just injustice. How can they do this? Nobody wins. I, I, my case in the, in the federal court uh, two months ago, they tried to put me in for 20 more years for mail fraud. And only one juror held out or I would have gone to prison for 20 more years for mailing a letter, fighting the case. It was just, I can't believe how close that came. Praise God they stopped that insanity. But, uh, yeah, how that so many innocent people are in jail. It's just phenomenal. It was on the news last night, I think CNN or something about uh, that Bill Clinton signed this to some stupid law, and they're finally realizing, you know, we've got we to gotta scale this prison system back. This is wrong. You know, he signed the bill that really increased the prison system to what it is today. Yeah, it's just gotten out of control, and it's just a money-making racket, isn't it? It is. Uh, see, when they lock somebody up, they let's say they get a five-year sentence, well, they take out a bond on the amount of money they're going to be able to now collect from the taxpayers. It goes into the financial market. It's unreal. So they sell these bonds to other countries. So they're making money. <laughs> five people that are locked up employs one full-time government worker. In addition to that, not in addition to 40,000 federal employees for 200,000 prisoners, you have uh, the people involved in the uh, food distribution, uh, the transportation. I mean, there's, a whole, there's many industries uh, on top of this. It, it employs a lot of people that are probably, many of them, otherwise unemployable. Nobody would hire them for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I've met a bunch of them. So I, I decided 46 years ago, I, I gave my heart to the Lord, said, I, I, lo- I want to serve you, Lord, with all of my life. I want to win souls and draw other people into your kingdom. And so that's all I've ever wanted to do. And, I and still it's want amazing to. how many guys in the Bible, including Paul and Silas, were writing a lot of things behind bars, weren't they? Absolutely. A whole lot of the Bible is either written from prison or captivity or people who experienced one of those two things. It's amazing. In all those nine years, what surprises you the most, Kent? It surprises me that America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, it has, allows such a crazy thing. What is wrong with us? You know, what, uh, what are we doing? How did this happen? You know, we lo- when did we lose this freedom? I don't know the answer, but uh, it surprises me how many things from the Bible I missed after seeing, you know, reading it for 46 years, like, how could I possibly miss that? You know, just the obvious. I like about the prison system, uh, you know, like how could I, it shouldn't exist, or about the rapture thing, you know, man, Matthew 24, it's Jesus' disciples asking, Lord, when are you coming and what's the sign? And he tells them in that chapter, and he says, I'm coming after the sun and the moon go dark. That's the sign, the sun and the moon going dark. And that comes after the tribulation. It's all right there. And I, because I had been pre-programmed to, to believe something different, you know, the pre-trib rapture, I, I read over that passage and, and couldn't get it, like my eyes were blinded. So it surprises me that such a great country as America could come so far down away from God's clear teaching on so many things. And I am concerned, for my grandkids' sake, uh, and for the, just our country in general, what's about to happen all with a financial collapse. We'll see how that happens. I mean, nine years ago, when you got put into federal prison, you get out, you see what's going on. I mean, America's hardly... Well, actually, you would have gone in before Obama became president, correct? Yes. 
He was elected afterwards. That brings up a whole interesting story, too. You know, he's, he is president of what? What exactly is he president of? You know, he's president of a corporation named United States, which means he does not have to be a natural-born citizen. I call there. him the the uh, jihadist-in-chief commie dictator, like, you know, he just decrees things like Benito Mussolini. That That's what happens with this guy. You know, you see this big transgender movement. You see this, it's the same-sex marriage ruling just a few weeks ago. You know, I, I get a kick, Kent, how these people were waving the rainbow flag around. And I thought, you know, isn't that a good idea? Take God's symbol from the last time he destroyed the earth and wave it around as a symbol of your sin. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's what they've done for decades, centuries, you know. Take what God created that is good and turn it into something evil. Yeah, sad, sad truth. One but, of the questions, of course, everyone wants to know is, what are your plans for ministry now that you're out? Well, we, we brainstormed all day yesterday on that very topic. Uh, we are going to, while I am radioactive and they're after me, which is probably for the next 300 years, I'm going to start a separate ministry, and my son Eric will have a separate ministry. So. In case they come after me again, they can't get him. He's doing a fabulous job with creationtoday.org. His uh, video he's working on the Genesis movie is going to be incredible in 3D. Uh, He sells all videotapes and stuff. Just go to uh, creationtoday.org, and you can, I think, watch a one-minute clip of what he's got got coming. So, um, yeah, we're still working on the structure and all that. I I want to be left alone. That's all I've ever wanted. I don't... I didn't, wasn't looking for trouble when it found me this time. Neither was Job, by the way. Job wasn't looking for any trouble. Yeah, his friends were really helpful too, weren't they? Yeah. His <laughs> friend, I, I've, I've had the same friends come visit me. Kent, you must have done something wrong. Nobody goes to prison without committing some crime. Now, come on. What did you do? I said, guys, you can say whatever you'd like. I did not commit a crime. Well, you had to. No, there are lots of innocent people go to prison. Look at your history. Read your Bible. What did Jesus do? You know, they killed him. Did he commit a crime? Yeah. What did Job do? Five times God said Job is a perfect man. Now, if God is claiming he's perfect, what more do you want? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you don't get any better than that. So there are some people that just simply cannot comprehend the idea that somebody could go to prison and not be guilty of something. Absolutely. But I will maintain till I die, and I know it will be exonerated on Judgment Day, there was no crime on my part. People are just ignorant, too, as part of the problem. And also, people are pretty venomous by nature, aren't they? Wow, it is, that's been amazing to me. You know, when a person is down, how they can kick. Woo! Judge not that you be not judged. You know, wow. Anyway, that's God's problem. He's been awfully good through all of this, though. I've been able to lead uh, nearly 800 men to the Lord and written 37 books and read my Bible many times and read probably close to 2,000 books on other topics. And It's just it's a, it's a, a wonderful experience in many, many ways. It was hard in many, many ways, but wonderful also in many, many ways. Well, I'm glad you think so because I don't have anything nice to say about any of these characters that were involved in your incarceration. I think they're all corrupt. (laughs) Well, Jesus, I don't think he had anything nice to say about any of them that he knew, so maybe nothing has changed. Maybe nothing. Well, 
What is the one thing you would like to do now that you are out? I mean, obviously, it's so wonderful that you get to spend some time with your family. And you're, you had not even held your one grandchild outside of prison. So that's wonderful. What do you think your plans are now, Kent? Well, uh, again, keep my son's ministry protected and get my own ministry going. I'm going to start a YouTube channel possibly this week and uh, do what Rudy was doing. So people can call in, answer questions. I had a stack of mail about three feet high. I'm wading through that. And <clears throat> I, I believe I'll be able to jump right back into this type of ministry, but I'm going to add the third plank uh, of Second Peter chapter 3, where it says the scoffers in the last days are ignorant of the creation and the flood and the coming judgment. Well, I spoke on creation and flood all over the world, but I never really spoke on coming judgment because... I just couldn't figure it out myself. You know, the end times. I was confused by the pre-trib teaching, and so now I'm going to start a whole do a whole series of videotapes on, you know, what's coming next. The end times. I, I I think I'll be shocked if America can make it as a free country just one more year. I mean, we I don't know, but we're headed for trouble. So. What do you do? You keep serving. You know, all the disciples faced this kind of thing. You know, they, they expected to get killed and persecuted for their faith. It's just part of the, you know, Jesus said, follow me, and they're probably going to kill you and probably going to throw you in prison, and, you know, don't worry about it. Be happy. <laughs> so, yeah. But, so, every Christian today, though, is waiting for, you know, something good is about to happen to you, and, you know, it's just... You know what, Kent? I think the one of the things that bothers me the most across the West is... The silence is deafening. It's crickets chirping in the pulpit about all these issues. Now we have books called The Gay Christian. I mean, we are finding new ways to celebrate debauchery. And yet these little Colgate smiling mega church preachers like Howdy Doody there, Joel Osteen says he's not called to preach on sin. You got to love that one, Kent. I, I, I am stunned by that. Yes, always positive, always positive. Well, it does bring in the people and bring in the money. you got to admit that. People don't want to hear the truth. <laughs> they really don't. You know, you've mentioned that in a lot of series that you do. You talk about the New World Order. You talk about the global elite. And we really have morphed into a Marxist cabal. You've mentioned that earlier. The who's who of the globalists are really ramping things up. I mean, you just see that we are sliding into complete tyranny. I mean, all these things are unfolding exactly like you talk about. And so probably not really that big of a surprise to anyone that they wanted to shut you up. Oh, there's no question. They've always wanted to shut up anyone who teaches the truth. You know, Cain and Abel, all Abel did was teach the truth. Hey, God wants a blood sacrifice. You can't get blood out of a turnip. Bring a blood sacrifice. And Cain killed him over it. I mean, they had the whole world. It's not like they're fighting over food or, or real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has changed. They threw Joseph in jail, you know, Job and Jesus. And it, the list is really long in the Bible and in history of people who were persecuted simply because they're teaching what is the obvious truth. That, that's just to be expected. Come follow me. And he said, they will hate you and persecute you for my namesake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. That has been a little difficult to do. Uh, the rejoicing and, yeah. and the fear not has been a little difficult to do, but hey. Let me ask you this. Are they releasing the money they at least took from your ministry initially, or is that a whole other legal battle? Oh, they are not releasing it, that's for sure. They still have it, and they want more. 
Well, I Heavy. think the IRS needs to get shut down along with the Federal Reserve, the United Nations. There's a few places I wouldn't mind shutting down, Kent. Absolutely, yeah. We That's a battle somebody else will have to fight, but you're right. They've got no business existing. Yeah, i got too many other dragons to slay on the creation-evolution <laughs> argument. <laughs> it's amazing when Paul Revere was writing, you know, the British are coming, warning, warning. I feel like I've been out there, you know, sounding the alarm bells, warning, kind of an end-time watchwoman, and yet it's amazing how many people are in a stupor about what's going on, isn't it? They don't want to hear it. Jeremiah's the fellow prophets with Jeremiah, they did not want him to preach that, hey, judgment's coming. But it was coming. And Jeremiah was the only one to preach it. Well, you know what, Kent, in the waning moments, I have to tell you something. One of the most frequent emails that I got, it's in one of the common things that I heard was this phrase, Dr. Kent Hovind changed my life. His creationism led me to the Lord Jesus Christ. His ministry is a reason why I'm a Christian today. How do you feel about hearing that? I am humbled. It's happened, I don't know how many million times. Uh, I'm honored. That's the way it should be. You know, everybody ought to do something to influence somebody else for the Lord. I would hate to stand before God and say, God, I made millions of dollars, and I didn't win anybody to you. I'd rather say, God, I led five million people to you, and I don't have any money. And, you know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So, so many people are investing their time, energy, and money in totally useless stuff. I, I preach a sermon called How to Make Money and Spend It God's Way that deals with that. There are only four things you can spend your money on. You can spend your money on things that last a few hours. That would be food, thrills, etc. cetera. Uh, you can spend your money on things that last a few years. Uh, cars, you know, uh, furniture, etc. You can spend your money on things that last a lifetime, like education, house, investments. Or you can spend your money on things that last forever. And if you invest there, then you qualify for the Matthew 6.33 prize, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So that's where I'm trying to put mine is into category number one, as much as possible, things that last forever. Well, and you know, I've never seen a U-Haul in the back of a hearse. I have not. Somebody asked me one time, how much did Howard Hughes leave behind when he died? And I said, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so will you. <laughs> and so That's will good. I. The people that are out there, they're, you know, bigger, better house, a nicer, faster car, bigger, better everything, two of this absolute materialism that we're caught up in the West. Yep, and it's all going to burn, and, you know, what can you say? Just, okay, Lord, here, here's my little bitty life. You can have it. You know, Jesus took one little boy's sack lunch and fed 5,000 people with it. It wouldn't matter how much you have. It's just, have you given it to Jesus? You have your stuff, but make sure your stuff doesn't have you. Excellent. Yes, ma'am. I agree. Well, Kent, I know you got to go. I know you've got another interview to jump on right now. Any final thoughts? Well, I want to encourage people, if you're not saved, give your heart to the Lord and get saved. If you are saved, then find something to do for God. Everybody can do something. I mean, the worst people out there can serve as a professional bad example, if nothing else. That could be your calling. I'm a professional bad example. <laughs> I just find, I, people ask me, but hoping did God call you to do this? I don't know. I never got a letter or a phone call, but I, I saw a need, and I decided I'm going to fill it. You know, somebody needs to teach the truth about creation. Let's, let's do it. 
I wish there were 10,000 more people doing it. I was getting about 50 calls a week asking me to come speak before I got my vacation with the federal government. So <laughs> I'm hoping it'll pick back up. We'll see. Uh, so there needs to be you know, people counteracting the, the stupidity. The public school in your town has textbooks which contain dozens, maybe even 50 things that are simply lies. They're lying to the kids in order to get them to believe in the evolution theory. Absolutely. Well, and that's why I'm glad that your ministry is one that addresses it and no one does it better than you. Kent, we're so glad that you are free, you're home. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you so much, Kent, and God bless. Well, thank you, ma'am. I'll be come on anytime you'd like me. God bless you, and we look forward to getting updates on how things are going, and we'll be praying for your ministry. Sounds great. Thank you, thank you. God bless you, sir. Folks, that was Dr. Kent Hovind. His information, of course, is 2peter 3 com. You can get updates there. And I do encourage everyone to get behind Dr. Kent Hovind. We want to keep posted on all the updates. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast today, folks. I'm going to leave you with my favorite clip, Kent Hovind versus Bill Nye, the science guy. Have a great evening, folks. And thank you again for tuning into the program. Good night and God bless. Once in a while, I get people that really, or that claim they don't believe in evolution. And my response generally is, why not? Really, why not? You guys believe 20 billion years ago there was a big bang where nothing exploded and produced everything. 4.6 billion years ago, the earth cooled down, made a hard rocky crust. It rained on the rocks for millions of years, turned them into soup, and the soup came alive 3 billion years ago. Found somebody to marry. And something to eat, of course, and slowly evolved into everything we see today. There are some lies in our science books. Taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. It's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. I'm not against science. I'm not against schools. I'm not against teachers. Because most of them don't know what they believe. You have to tell them. They teach the kids it all started with a big bang 20 billion years ago. What exploded? That's what the textbooks teach. Before the big bang, there was nothing literally nothing, an infinitesimal nugget of space. And then something happened, triggering the most colossal explosion in history. What? Yes, boys and girls, you see, nothing exploded and uh, here we are. So I asked this professor if I could ask him some questions about the Big Bang. I said, where did all this matter come from? He said, well, we don't know that for sure. I said, well, sir, would you please tell me where the laws came from? The universe is run by laws, gravity, centrifugal force, inertia. Who gave the laws? He said, we don't know that either. I said, sir, could you tell me where the energy came from? You know, it takes energy to make a big bang. Who bought the gas to run this machine anyway? Hmm? He said, we don't know that either. I said, uh, sir, could I ask you another question? He said, sure. What else would you like to know? <laughs> else? What do you mean else? You haven't told me nothing yet. I said, does Berkeley have a merry-go-round? You see, if a spinning object breaks apart in a frictionless environment, the fragments will all spin the same direction. The professor said, yes, I understand about the conservation of angular momentum. I said, well, good. I'd like to ask you a question then, sir. If the whole universe began as a swirling dot, like you said, why do two planets spin backwards? He said, that's interesting. I said, no, that's more than interesting. It's kind of hard on your Big Bang Theory. Not only that, six of the moons are spinning backwards. Why?
He said, I don't know. Why do you think they're going backwards? Uh, I was hoping he was going to ask that. I said, okay, now, sir, hold it. If I told you that I believe God created the heaven and the earth like the Bible teaches, you're going to say, and where did God come from? And I don't know. But you said, well, we don't know that for sure. We don't know that either. We don't don't know tell me my theory is religious and yours is science. Oh, no, sir, they're both religious. Evolution is a religion. You have to believe. So I asked the professor, where did the matter come from? He said, I don't know. So basically, I believe in the beginning God, and you believe in the beginning dirt. <laughs> One professor was getting kind of upset about this time. He said, uh, Mr. Hoven, there are hundreds of varieties of dogs in the world. He said, do you mean to tell me that you believe all these dogs came from two dogs off of Noah's Ark? You expect me to believe that? I said, sir, would you look at what you're teaching your students? You're teaching your students that all the dogs in the world came from a rock. <laughs> Charles Darwin was disciplined. I mean, he did these extraordinary experiments, this series of experiments. Then they're going to tell the kids, well, we have evidence for this theory. Charlie Darwin stopped off at these islands right there called the Galapagos Islands. Charlie studied the birds very carefully and said, you know what? I think all these birds had a common ancestor. I bet you're right, Charlie. It was a bird. <laughs> you see 14 kinds of birds and you conclude that birds and bananas are related. Here are these ancient dinosaur bones or fossils. They tell the kids they have evidence of evolution from fossils. I don't think so. If you find a fossil in the dirt, all you know is it died. You don't know that it had any kids. And you sure don't know that it had different kids. You bring in a bone to the judge. Judge, I found this bone in the dirt. This is the ancestor of all the humans today. <laughs> they would laugh at you. You don't know that that's the ancestor of anybody. And why on earth would you think a bone in the dirt can do something animals today cannot do? They'll say, boys and girls, you have two bones in your wrist, radius and ulna. And boys and girls, look at the whale's flipper carefully. Did you know the whale has two bones in his flipper and they're called the radius and the ulna? Same as ours. Wow, who named them, teacher? The whale? <laughs> Think about it. I'm here to tell my people it's time to stop believing bull just because of tell you bull with a straight look on their face. Evolution say people came from monkeys. And the question is, why is there still monkeys? Is these the retarded monkeys? They didn't turn into people just yet. Even Stephen Gould admitted the absence of fossil evidence for intermediary stages is a persistent and nagging problem for evolution. See, what's happened, these guys have looked for missing links in the, in the fossil record. They can't find any. And so they say, well, maybe evolution happened so fast it wasn't preserved. Maybe a reptile laid an egg and a bird hatched out. Well, who did that bird marry? This process that brought us to be is billions of years old. It happens very fast, billions of years fast. Here is uh, radioactivity. We're going to tell the kids in the late 1940s, they invented carbon dating. We're going to explain a little bit about radiometric dating and how it's supposed to work, and then show you that it does not work, okay? It sounds good, but there are some assumptions that mess everything up. If we had walked into a room and found a candle burning on the table, and I asked you the question, when was it lit? You said, I don't know, Mr. Hoven, it's burning when I got here. Okay, well then, let's do some empirical science. Let's measure the height of the candle. Suppose the candle is seven inches tall. Who can tell me when it was lit? Okay, nobody. Let's do some more empirical science. Let's measure the rate of burn. Suppose we determine it's burning an inch an hour. When was it lit? You're going to have a hard time telling me unless you're willing to make some assumptions. You find a fossil in the dirt, 
you can measure how much C14 is in it. Very accurately, by the way. And you can measure how fast it's decaying. That's just like measuring the height of your candle and how fast it's burning. Now, when did that animal die? You don't have a clue. Here's what you ought to consider about carbon dating. Samples of known age, it doesn't work. If it's a sample of unknown age, it is assumed to work. It's just really a hard thing. It's, it's really a hard thing. Your world just becomes fantastically complicated when you don't believe in evolution. Freshly killed seal, carbon dated 1,300 years old. Shells from living snails, carbon dated 27,000 years old. Living penguins, carbon dated 8,000 years old. One part of Dima was 40,000 years old, another part was 26,000, and the wood next to it is 9,000. Then they tell the kids about the geologic column. They say each of the layers is a different age, you know, Cenozoic, Mesozoic, Paleozoic, Archaeozoic, all them Zoic boys. Now, if you get a petrified tree standing up, running through different rock layers, I don't think it's smart to say those layers are vastly different ages. Those trees did not get slowly covered by the sediments over millions of years. They would rot and fall down. Uh, crazy. I just, They'll say, boys and girls, you have an appendix that you don't need anymore. That's a vestigial structure. That's proof of evolution. Well, excuse me, you do need your appendix. The appendix is part of your immune system. If your appendix is taken out, you can still live, okay, but it increases your susceptibility to quite a few diseases. You can live without both your legs and both your arms and both your eyes also. That doesn't prove you don't need them. There are no vestigial organs. And even if there were, that would be the opposite of evolution. That's losing, not gaining. I was taught when I went to school, man used to have a tail, but he lost it because he didn't need it. I thought, didn't need it? Have you ever thought how handy a tail would be? <laughs> have you ever come to the door with two sacks of groceries? Wouldn't that be nice, man, be able to grab that door and walk right around and get in? <laughs> Lost it because we didn't need it. Man, you could drive the car and tune the radio knob and hold the Coke at the same time. What we're finding is that natural selection seems to be an incredibly important factor in generating new species. Natural selection. The key evolutionary mechanism Darwin identified. The bad designs get eaten by the good ones, and so all you have is good ones. Natural selection doesn't cause any evolution. It makes sure the bad ones don't survive, but it's not going to change it to something else. If you worked in a factory that produced cars, and your job was to check for defects, and you caught every single mistake, and you rejected it, how long would it take that process to change the car to an airplane? You say, it'll never change it. <laughs> That's my point. The students are taught we have evidence from development. Darwin considered this by far the strongest single class of evidence. This textbook says, the human embryo growing in the mother has gills like a fish. Those little folds of skin are not gills. Those little wrinkles under your chin when you're growing up later develop into bones in the ear and glands in the throat. They never have anything to do with breathing. I've seen folks that have five or six chins and they can't breathe through any of them but the top one. Those are not gill slits. Ernst Haeckel, though, said the turning point in his thinking was when he read Darwin's book. He made huge charts of his posters of his drawings of these embryos and traveled all over Germany and just about by himself converted the Germans to believing in evolution. Haeckel took a drawing of a dog and a human embryo and he changed them to make them look exactly alike. On top are Haeckel's fake drawings. Underneath are actual photographs of what he claimed he was drawing a picture of. Now, either he's a lousy artist or he's a liar. Haeckel's fake drawings are still used in textbooks in your state right now. Adolf Hitler said, you let me control the textbooks, I'll control the state. That teaches him what to think, not how to think. And when the kid gets done with this course, he's going to think he knows how to think. But he doesn't. He knows how to be told what to think.
brainwashing at taxpayer expense. If you want to deny evolution, that's fine. But don't make your kids do it, because we need them. And that's where the problem comes in. Okay? If you want to believe in the Big Bang, just enjoy yourself, but keep your religion at home. The Russian atheist astronomer came to America and spoke at one of the universities, and he said, started off his speech. He said, folks, either there is a God or there isn't. Both possibilities are frightening. If there is no God, we're in trouble. We're hurtling through space around the sun right now at 66,000 miles an hour, and nobody's in charge. <laughs> That's a scary thought. But if God made the world, He owns it. That means He makes the rules. You see, if there is a God, we better find out who He is, and find out what He wants, and do what He says. Malcolm Muggeridge said, I am convinced the theory of evolution, especially the extent to which it's been taught, applied, will be one of the great jokes in the history books of the future. It's a joke. And it would be a joke if it weren't for the tragic results. How many kids are taught this thing every day and believe it, and it destroys their faith? Hey, if you died today, where would you go? You ought to think about it because you will be dead for a long time. Doesn't matter how long you live, you're going to be dead longer than that. You know, George Washington died 200 years ago, and he's still dead. All you get in this life is a little bitty dash between two dates. What are you going to do with your dash? Where would you go if you die? Now, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, you ought to give your heart to the Lord and get saved. Say, Lord, you may have it, the whole thing. If you are saved, you ought to find something to do for the Lord. And you ought to quit worrying about getting a fancier car and a fancier house and start worried about who's going to heaven or hell. Maybe God gave you that good job so you can give some money to missionaries, not so you can build a bigger, fancier house. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. And if you don't want it, well, that's your business. But the devil is laughing at you for believing in that. But God loves you, and he wants you to come to heaven. And if you'd like to find out how to go to heaven, come see me. I'll be glad to show you.